Welcome to another ministry podcast. There are a lot of podcasts about ministry, and this is another one. Hey, I'm Steve, and this is my podcast reflecting on ministry in a few different contexts and my experience there. Please know that I'm not pushing any specific political agenda or official doctrine of the church. I have my convictions about those things, and they may pop up in the course of the episode, but I'm not trying to be adversarial in any way. I just like to talk about ministry stuff. So yeah, welcome to another ministry podcast, um, the uh, podcast about my experiences in ministry, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we would appreciate, I would appreciate, we, like there's more than one of us, it's just me, uh, would appreciate it if you would share with uh, people who also like podcasts. They can, you can direct them to anchor.fm slash another men cast, or they can search for another ministry podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Everywhere that podcasts uh, are found. So um, thanks for listening, and I would greatly appreciate uh, if you would share with somebody. So uh, skipped another week, and uh, so maybe now I am a bi-weekly podcast instead of a weekly podcast. I don't know. Uh, you know, life gets hectic, and it just it is what it is, right? S-O-C-K-S. If you spell socks, S-O-C-K-S. You're also saying it is what is what it is in Spanish. So I have a joke for you to start out our podcast. Um, so a chicken walked into a library. And if you are from my church and have heard me preach before, you may have heard this joke. Chicken walked into a library and uh, he went to the, count, to the counter and uh, looked at the librarian and uh, he said, uh, book. And the librarian was really confused. And the chicken again just said, book. And the librarian said, okay, and handed him a book. And so the chicken left. And the next day, he came back and uh, said, with the book in his with in his beak, in his hand, almost said in his hand, like chickens have hands, came back with the book in his beak, and he said, uh, book, book. And uh, in his hand, see, I said his, in his hand again, jeez, tell the joke, chapel. Uh, came back with the book in his beak and laid it on the counter and looked at the librarian and said, book, book. And so the librarian's like, okay, this is really weird, but let's do it again. So I gave him two books. Chicken left, came back the next day, put the two books on the counter, said, book, book, book. And uh, so the library gave, librarian gave him uh, three books. And the chicken left, and the librarian said, look, I got to see what in the world is going on with this chicken. What is this chicken doing? And so the librarian followed him. And he followed the chicken out of town and uh, out into kind of the country area, rural area, and uh, down a dirt road, past a farmhouse, down to a pond, and the chicken laid the books down uh, in front of a log. And on the log, there was a frog. And the frog looked at the, the three books and it said, read it, read it, read it. So anyways, this is where you're supposed to laugh. Insert laugh track here. Ha ha ha. So anyway, I wanted to talk about uh, books on this uh, this episode. Uh, books, aside from the Bible, right? The Bible is in ministry is our most important book. But uh, aside from the Bible, books can help us to... Um, refine our ministry uh, can help us to of course learn the, uh, the 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 knowledge that we need to impart right can help us make sense of um, maybe some troubling passages in the bible or not troubling but, but maybe hard to understand or hard to explain passages and so i want to talk about uh, just five books now i've got a ton of books i couldn't count them all not a ton ton like i know there are people that have way more books than i do but, you know i've got a few dozen books and I've read some of all of them and a lot of them I've read all the way through and a few of them I've read more than once um, but I just want to talk about five books that 
uh, have impacted me personally as a Christian and also have had an impact on my ministry. So, uh, you know, one of the ways that 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 I get my books is through uh, the Kindle app, right? And I really like that because one, Kindle books are typically cheaper and two, I can read them wherever, right? I can read them on my laptop. I can read them on my phone. I can even read them on any uh, device that's connected to the web just by logging into my Amazon account, right? Um, just and reading it in the browser. So th those are really handy for me. Now, of course, I still love to hold a book and, you know, flip the pages and, and that sort of stuff and make notes in the margins and highlight things and uh, so yeah I have you know a, a, a mix of both but uh, by and large over the past several years uh, Kindle has been my go-to uh, format for books and uh, so if you've never used Kindle and you don't have to have a Kindle device uh, when they first came out you know years ago you had to have a Kindle device but now you can just have any any computer right any any device and uh, Android iOS, Mac, PC, doesn't matter. Linux, right? If you're one of those weird people, I actually do have one Linux machine. Um, but anyways, so I want to talk about a few books, and I'm going to start off with, uh, these are in no particular order, right? It's not like it's, you know, least uh, impactful to most impactful. These are just, you know, five I, I picked um, somewhat at random, not not random, random, but um, I have read all of these books, and uh, if, if you are a reader you understand maybe where I'm coming from you'll buy a book and uh, read parts of it and maybe not finish the whole thing um, but you know I, I like to think of them as as a resource that I can go to when I'm uh, you know prepping for a, a lesson or a sermon and uh, you know and, and some of them are um, you know ones that have actually had a, had a big impact on my life and I've read them all the way through and I think about them often and I refer back to them so the two uh, I have three this may I may turn into six books. We'll we'll try to stick with five. Uh, I've got three hard copy books that I want to uh, talk about, and then I'm going to go over to my Kindle Kindle app Kindle my Kindle app and talk about a couple of others. The first one that I have in my hand is The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Now, The Pilgrim's Progress was written in sixteen something, sixteen uh, eighty no. 16 da, 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 da. I don't know in the 1600s I'm looking at the the end thing here um, part two of the Pilgrim's Progress was in 1864 uh, it was not however until the publication 1678 okay, 1678 uh, the Pilgrim's Progress was written by a man named John Bunyan and uh, he's really uh, great influential guy in the history of the church he was facing persecution and i'm going to flub this up i've not went back and refreshed my memory on this uh, so if you're listening and you're really into church history and that sort of stuff i apologize ahead of time um, but he was persecuted uh, for his well, i guess i could read it out of the footnotes john bunyan was born learned to read and write da, 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 served as a soldier in civil war in the in england i think um, prolonged agonizing spiritual crisis. He joined an independent church and before long began to preach. The beginning of a literary career. Um, he was imprisoned for 12 years because of his refusal to stop preaching. Um, and I think it was... He was preaching, I think, in a, in a Protestant manner. Um, again, I'm not... 
I probably shouldn't have even tried to explain it. But uh, anyways, so it is an allegory or just a story that relates back to real life about a man named Pilgrim. Uh, that is his name. And, and in the book, the characters are named uh, based off of their uh, attributes, right, or their character. Um, their, uh, the, the main character, of course, is Pilgrim. Uh, there is a, a preacher uh, person in um, in the book, and he is just called Evangelist. And uh, there are people in the book. Uh, another guy that joins him is named Christian. Um, and so it's the story of of a man's journey uh, to faith, right? And a man's journey to uh, the, the the kingdom. I think is what they call it. Um, and so it's it's his it's it's an allegory that. Uh, reflects you know our journey right we are all pilgrims one of the there's a there's a couple of scenes in the book uh at, toward the beginning especially that that really stick out to me whenever i think of this book he is uh, he and another guy from his hometown um, i can't think of the other guy's name off the top of my head but uh they are uh pilgrims progress oh wait christian is the name of did i get that wrong I probably did. I'm sorry. Just go read the book. <laughs> um, uh, da, 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 da. The subtitle of this uh, is The Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That Which is to Come, delivered under the, under the similitude of a dream, wherein is discovered the manner of his setting out his dangerous journey and safe arrival at the desired country. The, so the desired country, of course, uh, allegory for heaven, right? Uh, and so... Let me turn to page one. What's the guy's name? Is it Pilgrim or is it Christian? I swear I've read this book twice. It's just... Uh, so... so when restrain himself as long as he could. Uh, I'm sorry. This is an awful podcast. Um, so Evangelist... So it's, it's, it's told within a dream, right? Uh, walking in the fields, uh, and he read in his book, and book is capitalized with a B, so it's it's a Bible, and um, so he meets evangelist, and he he cries out, he says, "What shall I do to be saved?" And then said evangelist, says the man, therefore, I saw my dream. Anyway, so his his neighbors, uh, one of them is called obstinate. Uh, and, uh, oh, Christian, Christian is the guy's name. I'm sorry. I said pilgrim. Christian is the guy's name. Um, and, uh, so he, he sets out from, uh, from his hometown, which is basically his life of sin. Right. And, uh, one of the, the first things he does, he falls into this, uh, this muddy pit and it's called the slow of despond or, or the slough maybe of despond S L O U G H. And uh, it, it's it's just a picture of how we just wallow sometimes in sin, and it it uh, sticks to us and bogs us down and keeps us uh, from continuing the journey that that we're trying to go on to. And so he's rescued from it, uh, great thankfully. And then uh, the other scene that really sticks out to me toward the beginning of the book is uh, he uh, on his travels he comes to kind of a, a hill. He's standing on top of a, of a hill, and uh, on his back, this whole time, is this uh, this pack, like like a, like a backpack, and it's, often, it's described as, as his burden, right? It's a great burden, 
and uh, and he comes up on this hill and he looks and kind of across the way he sees uh, the cross and uh, as soon as he sees the cross his backpack falls off of his back because uh, he's not been able to to take it off uh, his backpack falls off his back and rolls down uh, this hill and into uh, an empty tomb right and it's just a beautiful picture of what happens to uh, us who believe and profess faith in christ that once we realize the weight of our sin and the holy spirit enlightens our hearts and, and helps us to see that that um uh, when we confess and we believe uh, and we repent uh, that that our sin is taken away from us we cannot do anything to remove the burden of that sin but, uh, but Jesus takes it away from us, for us, because we can't do anything about it, right? And so it's just a really good story of uh, a person's journey, right? And, and I've read it, like I said, a couple times. Uh, the last, I think I've, I've read it since, uh, but the probably the most, one of the more memorable times I've read it, I believe I've read it at least twice, and read out of it sections, you know, here and there. Um but uh, I was in a uh, class at North Greenville University, and uh, Dr. Larry McDonald, it was in one of his classes. Uh, I think it was just a, was it on a class on theology? I think so. But uh, we read it, and uh, it was really, really good. Because, um, you know, we were able to go through and discuss it as a class and, and that sort of stuff. And so, like I said, it was just, I really, really um, just enjoyed it. And uh, it was really great. So, Pilgrim's Progress, uh, definitely recommend that book um it's a little bit of a read the copy that i have the paper copy that i have is almost 300 pages yeah 300 pages um uh 290 pages the copy that i have but i also have it on kindle and so you know they count pages differently uh they did actually make an animated movie of it and i have a copy of it right here uh the pilgrim's progress and it's really good I would definitely recommend it. Uh, another hard copy book that I have, um, and this this is more of an academic book, a textbook, but it's really, really good. Um, it's called uh, A Theology for the Church, and it comes out of Southeastern uh, University. Um, and I believe Dr. Uh, Aiken is kind of the, the main the main author of it, but it has lots of contributors, you know. Um, and so it, it, it goes over... Theology, you know, the basics of, you know, who God is, who we are, um, our great need for Christ and, and how that is uh, affect, you know, how that is, how that comes to how he came to be the Savior and how he is the Savior and what the cross means and, and his burial, his resurrection. Um, and then what are we supposed to do? What is our reaction to that? And, and how are we supposed to live it out? And it's just a great book. And, and in it, and, and it even talks about, it goes back to creation and and if you're you know like to geek out on theology type stuff uh, and you know big words and you know like hyperstatic union and and uh, um, what's the one of the words I was trying to think of there's several words about oh um, whether or not uh, when did when exactly did sin come into the world and uh, you know the supralapsarian infralapsarian another lapsarian I can't remember. Um, but uh, it's just really, really good book, and uh, it's one of those books that looks great in a library, right? Because it's just big, thick book. But not not does it does it just look impressive? Um, 
it is impressive, right? It, it was really helpful to me. I have referred back to it many times since I've uh, read thread through it for a course, you know, um, and I've read the vast majority of it. Uh, you know, every, every chapter we were assigned for sure, but it's, you know, a 600 plus page book. Uh, I don't have it here in my hands, but, um, so I couldn't tell you for sure, but it, it's a great book. If you're looking for a resource for, um, theology and, uh, you know, just, uh, some, some more, a more academic, um, book on theology, it, it's amazing. It's really good, and I highly recommend it. So uh, there's two books so far, Pilgrim's Progress and A Theology for the Church. And the third hard copy book that I have is, is one of my more recent ones. And honestly, this has probably the most um, flags in it. And when I say flags, I mean like uh, I took a Post-it note, ripped little pieces of it off, and stuck the sticky part and as bookmarks, I mean, it's got several flags in it of, of passages I want to go back to, uh, you know, that I want to refer back to. I've only read it once, but it was really good. Um, this one is called Flickering Lamps. Uh, the subtitle is Christ and His Church, and it's written by uh, Henry and Richard Blackaby. And this is all about uh, dying churches, um, revitalization. And, and a lot of it is a story of... Um, uh, Dr. Blackaby's journey. He was at a uh, rather large church um, at one point, and uh, he ended up taking going, being called to and taking a pastorate at a very small church, a very a very small and dying church that had uh, less than twenty people, and and were pretty much ready to just close the doors. And uh, he goes through uh, in it and talks about. Uh, Christ's purpose for his church and 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 through all these chapters he relates the academic back to the 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 real the real world um you know he says he talks about Christ's purpose for his church and then shows how uh he attempted to kind of live that out through uh his journey you know with his uh congregation Christ's purpose for his church his plans for his church the presence the power provision and then Christ's preeminence in his church. It's it's a slim book. It's only about 120 some odd, 130 pages. Um, but it's really, uh, really, really good and, and really a great uh, read. Um, highly recommend it. If you are interested at all in revitalization, in uh, replanting or anything like that. And those are things that I don't have any practical experience with. But they interest me greatly, and uh, you know I've been I've been dealing with, um, and I don't know if I've mentioned it in the podcast or not, but uh, I've I've been dealing for several years uh, with a call on my life to uh, to to be a real a real grown up preacher. And if you're in youth ministry, uh, you you understand what I mean by that. Um, people will often look at us in youth ministry and, and not, and not, they don't mean anything by it. Um, now there was one guy that has told me that before that I questioned whether or not he meant it in a derogatory sense, but, um, people will say, Oh, when are you going to grow up and become a real preacher? You know? <laughs> and, and my response is always, I kind of feel like I am a real preacher. You know, just my focus is on a certain segment of the population, namely middle school and high school. And so anyways, um, uh, I've been struggling with that call on my life for a while to become uh, a pastor. I have actually went and preached at uh, uh, one church, uh, and it was a uh, like a trial preaching. This was you know years ago before I met my current church. So if you're 
part of one part of my current church and you listen to this um i'm not i'm not i'm not looking anywhere right now but but uh anyways um and and so it, it didn't work out it didn't pan out but i think it was more of a um maybe god helping me to realize the calling and uh you know just kind of maybe maybe a little bit of a test just to see if i would be willing to to go through it i don't know um but anyways one of the things that really interests me, um, you know, I've thought about in, in becoming a, uh, a pastor, um, if I ever do become a senior pastor or a grown-up preacher, that uh, one of the things that's interests me is, is the idea of uh, revitalization and replanting. Um, you know, taking a church or, or pastoring a church, not taking it, but pastoring a church that, uh, that may be in trouble, that may be, uh, you know, has, has maybe given up some hope or they've just been struggling and just loving on them, you know. Um, I, I can do some events, and events are certainly not what ministry is all about. Um, but it helps to be able to do some things to, you know, make the community a better place, to do things like bring in a food truck, uh, do things like maybe bring in uh, a dental bus or a medical team to a community to help meet the needs of the people in that community, right? Um, the the whole the old uh, saying, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care, um, or unless they know how much you care. You know, Jesus, you know, m- met physical needs many times, um, and, and many times he, you know, would meet a physical need, and then, you know, uh, tell the person to go sin no more, right? Um, or many times he would meet. A physical need uh, as he was forgiving their sins. I think about the guy um, in uh, who was a who was a lame man, the one who his friends lowered him through the roof where Jesus in the, of the house where Jesus was. And um, the first thing he told to the guy was, "Your sins are forgiven." Right, and uh, then he healed him of his of his lameness. So, um, I'm sorry, I just had a, in my mind. <laughs> He healed him of his lameness, like he made him super cool all of a sudden. Like not lame as in can't walk, but lame as in not cool. But anyways, um, revitalization, you know, the, the idea of just coming alongside the church and, and, and helping them out, uh, helping meet the physical, helping them to uh, see the, the physical needs and, and the missional needs of their community and, and just kind of working alongside with them to to bring the church back to to what God wants it to be, you know, and it's not necessarily about numbers, although, you know, we've talked about before how, you know, don't, I don't like to talk in terms of numbers, um, but, you know, numbers represent people in a, in a sense, so you kind of have to think about it a little bit, but you just don't let it dominate the the discussion, I try not to, so, but, you know, uh, Flickering Lamps, the book I was just talking about, has uh, a lot to do with that. And a couple of other books I'm going to mention has a lot to do with that. I really kind of feel a strong pull toward that. Um, one, a couple of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons, though, uh, is that, you know, I'm, uh, I work full-time. I have a full-time job. And, you know, the idea of a bi- being bivocational, having two jobs, uh, you know, having a, or, or a, uh, some people are terming it co-vocational, that you know, I have a, a job outside of the church that you know I get paid for, um, is really um, is really uh, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It is really 
attractive. It's really attractive to me uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, I enjoy where I work. I work for our school system and, and I enjoy working with it. You know, it, it aligns with my call to youth ministry because I get to, to work with teenagers and kind of, you know, help pour into their lives. And although I can't be specifically, uh, you know, preaching and teaching the gospel, I can at least care for these kids in my regular job. And, and there have been some windows where I can, you know, give a little insight and help them help them think about a problem they're going through whatever and i definitely pray for us pray for a lot of my students um, whether they realize it or not some of them know that i'm a youth minister and they will ask for prayer and um and a lot of them i pray for and they don't they may not ever know it uh, but you know it's, it's something I, I feel concerned to do so revitalization a lot of times you know you're going to a plant to a, a small church that may not can pay anything or may can pay very little and and i don't I don't want to, uh, to to be a burden to a church like that, and I don't want to be a burden to my family. You know, I have four kids; I have to, you know, take care of them and uh, and and care for them and and provide for their needs. And so, uh, anyways, revitalization. Uh, I, I really feel a strong pull for it, and actually, a few of the books that I'm going to mention uh, pertain to that. So, let me flip over here to my Kindle app, and my goodness, I've got. 108 books in my Kindle library. Uh, so maybe I have more than a few dozen, um, however many dozens that is. That's approaching probably 12 dozen, a baker's dozen maybe. But uh, I have books uh, ranging from academic books, uh, theological books, textbooks, sorts of things, to uh, books for personal reading. Right? I have books in there, fiction. Uh, I really like fantasy slash science fiction um, it's just a, a genre that's always appealed to me, uh, and I have you know some some real life books, some books that are just good stories, and uh, I have a, one friend who has written several books, and I've written I've read all of his books, and I've got them through Kindle. Um, and so, anyways, uh, I'm going to mention a few books here again. I'm certainly not going to go through 108 of them. I'm going to try to keep it down to two or oh, two maybe. Let's, Let's do three. We'll do six books. I'll give you a bonus book this time. Um, one of the books, let me see. I'm scrolling, scrolling. Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, yeah. So this one is called um, Finding God in the Waves. And uh, this next one is a, uh, a biography of sorts, an autobiography of sorts by uh, a man named... Um, Mike McHargue, I totally butchered that name. You'll never listen to this, sir, but if you ever do, I apologize. Um, and so the subtitle of this book is How I Lost My Faith and Found It Again Through Science. Now, hang on, put the pitchforks and the torches down because uh, I truly believe that science and faith can coexist and that very often science points us back to God. Um, God created the universe as we know it. He created the laws of science, um, physics, gravity, all those sorts of things, um, biology and chemistry. He, he made that. He, he made us. He made our DNA and uh, I mean, from scratch, from nothing. And so uh, science inevitably should. We would expect it to point us back to our creator. Uh, and so I totally believe um, that this is possible. Uh, and we may talk another episode about that. But anyways, um, this was a really good book. Uh, there, uh, so Mike McCargue, um, if you, uh, you, you may have never heard of him, but, uh, he goes often by the nickname, uh, Science Mike. 
and because he's he's a proponent of science and how it purport, how it can point us back to faith and he talks about you know he uh, was a christian and uh, just over time kind of came to a point where he didn't necessarily believe in god anymore um, and he said, and, and this was even like he, he struggled with it and kept it quiet for a long time. He said even during that time, he, he you know, led his daughter to Christ and baptized her all the while unsure of his own faith. And so um, it was just a really great story of, uh, you know, the idea that we can, we can struggle and wrestle with our faith, and that's okay. Uh, we, we really should grapple with these things because they're very weighty and very serious. Um, now, you know, I'm not saying I agree with all of his conclusions theologically, um, but it's it's a good... Uh, uh, so basically what happened to him is uh, he, um, of course, was an atheist, and then he said, well, you know, I, I really like science, so let me try to think about my faith uh, from a scientific viewpoint. And so he, he had all of these uh, arguments for, well, if I believe this, then this must be true you know if i believe x then y must be true and uh, and and through that he worked he worked his way back to uh, faith in christ and uh, and not that science brought him to christ but it, it kind of helped him you know just thinking logically and analytically about the christian faith which again god created the rules of logic and and you know uh, statistics and that sort of stuff so it shouldn't be surprising that they can lead us back to him or lead us to him um but he had uh, the reason it's called finding God in the waves. He was at a beach one time, and and he had uh, what he you know describes as a supernatural experience. Um, it was after he had struggled for a while and, and and had been reasoning himself back back to you know back to his faith, and um, where you know he he literally felt God speaking to him, and uh, you know he describes it I believe as like a you know it was kind of a bright light shining around him, and and just this feeling of peace and love, and uh, it was really good. So uh, I would definitely recommend that if you are into biographies, autobiographies, or regular biographies. Definitely, definitely, it's a good book, uh, especially if you, if you like science. It's not, it's not a science textbook, but you know it does get into some kind of deep stuff about how our brain works and um, you know uh, how we think about things and that sort of stuff. So finding God in the waves, uh, really good book. So that is, what was that number four? Number four. Four. Let's see. What was the next one I wanted to talk about? Da-da-da. There's a George Orwell Animal Farm. Not talking about that one, but it's a really good one. Um, oh, okay. Uh, next one. And this one is another area of Christianity, or relates to another area of Christianity that is really interesting to me. And uh, it's called uh, Worm Brand, uh, or probably technically uh Vermbrand. uh this is a story of oh, where'd he go come back it's a story of uh richard Wormbrand, and uh if you don't know richard Wormbrand uh is or founded uh the voice of the martyrs and the voice of the martyrs is a, a, an organization that uh reports on persecution uh around the world and also uh, helps uh, Christians around the world who are being persecuted uh, through, you know, harm to their life or, uh, you know, death or threats of anything like that. So uh, this is uh, the the true story of Richard 
uh, Wurmbrand, I'm assuming. He's German. These are probably W. Actually, Austrian, I think. Anyways, you know, V's are W's and W's are V's. So uh, in America, we would say Wurmbrand, but uh, probably Wurmbrand. Uh, again, I butchered that. Um, so if you're, if you're into German and much smarter than me, you know, I'm sorry. Um, but it, it's his story about he was a, I believe, a Lutheran preacher. And uh, during, the, during the time, not long after World War II, uh, his country became uh, communist. And, uh, and the communist government, and I can't, like I said, I need to go and see prologue romania not 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 hunger not any of those things that i said earlier <laughs> romania um his government became um uh communist and of course communist is an atheist government and so it uh cracked down on churches and unless you know the churches aligned with their talking points and those sorts of things which you know at that point, if you are aligning with an atheistic government, are you really a church anymore? Because you're not preaching the gospel. But he, you know, continued to preach the gospel and uh, was arrested and thrown into jail for years and years and years and, and endured uh, unspeakable tortures, uh, horrible conditions, and by all accounts should have died. Uh, but he didn't. The Lord was gracious to him and he kept him. And uh, it was just a really good book about. Uh, it encouraged me to persevere through the very tiny things that happened to me uh, by comparison, right? Uh, in America, we are super blessed. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I understand that much of America had Christian roots or at least theistic roots. Uh, many of the founding fathers were theists and not necessarily Christians. There, there's a difference. We won't go into that. Um, but you know they we may have some christian roots but i don't believe that we are a christian nation um, we are a nation that has a lot of christians in it and and christianity has certainly influenced our nation but we're not israel we don't have a a, a, a covenant relationship with god like they did and so um anyways we're we're, we're super blessed um, we have because america is uh, founded on freedom also freedom of religion um, freedom of speech we have the ability to gather without fear of the government cracking down on us yet um I, I, i'm maybe a little bit of a pessimist i believe it's coming one day but um it's not yet uh you know we we are certainly socially persecuted more uh, in america now than we have been um and and even the church is kind of turning in on itself uh in a lot of ways between a uh, a much more liberal theology versus uh, what you know we I would consider a, a conservative or, or a proper theology, um, and even there are there are you know sides that take it way too far to the conservative side, and um, you know they they don't they they downplay issues of justice and you know uh, living out the kingdom here. It, it's it's all about let's get people saved and then you know we're good. Well, yes, let's let's introduce people to Christ and let the Holy Spirit speak to them and, and Jesus will save them and then uh teach them to take care of other people and uh to, to you know, to seek to influence our government uh policies in ways that, that help people and don't harm people. So anyways, um 
were not persecuted like uh, Richard Warnbrand was and like many of our brothers and sisters in many parts of the world are. So it was just encouraging to me that uh, he could endure all these horrible punishments and, and places. I mean, they, and they would move him from prison to prison. His family never knew where he was. Um, he never knew how they were. Um, uh, but, you know, in, in my every everyday little inconveniences, by comparison, my personality conflicts, my, oh, man, i got to reschedule this thing, you know, it's they're nothing in comparison. And so it was really encouraging to me to, to think that, you know, if, if he could endure that, if God could give him the grace to endure what he endured, then what am I fussing about? What am I complaining about? And so it's a really good good book. Again, a, a biography. Um, I don't think he wrote this one. Um, I think he has maybe some parts in it that he had, you know, based off of like some of his letters and stuff, but I, I don't believe he wrote it, you know, specifically. I really don't know. Um, but that's a worm brand tortured for Christ. There is a, a movie tortured for Christ and uh, a book tortured for Christ. I believe that, um, that are related to it. Uh, if you're into, uh, or not, if you're into persecution, <laughs> if persecution is really appealing to you, but if you're interested in studying persecution, uh, then uh, definitely check out Voice of the Martyrs. They have tons of free resources, and another one is uh, Open Doors USA. And uh, so definitely check those out. Um, let's say that was five, right? Oh man, I said six. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna pick one more. Oh, it's oh, but I got like three more that I want. Okay, I'm gonna pick one. I've talked about revitalization. Um, another one that I was going to talk about, I guess I'm talking about it now, though I'll try to keep it brief, uh, is Anatomy of a Revived Church. And this is by Tom Rainer. Tom with a with a with a H, so T H O M Tom, Tom Rainer, um, uh, talks about uh, they did they did studies of churches. The this was actually a second book about uh, this sort of thing. His first book was uh, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And kind of looked at you know what went wrong and that sort of stuff. I haven't read that one. Uh, I need to pick it up and I want to read it. But uh, this one is Anatomy of a Revived Church. So he wants to look at you know what what was what helped the church to come back. And so it's a really good book. Uh, another book that I wanted to mention real real briefly uh, by Jackie Hill Perry. It's called Gay Girl Good God. And uh, it, it her story is that she was uh, a lesbian and lived a lesbian lifestyle and a homosexual lifestyle and uh, and and she became a christian and and god brought her out of her homosexual lifestyle and uh, so it's just a really good book if you know anybody that's struggling uh, with same-sex temptation or maybe even is living a uh, a homosexual lifestyle um, there are there are fa- factions of the church that would tell them there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with that and the Bible does absolutely does not speak out against homosexuality and I believe they're mistaken um, uh, I believe that, that they tend to, to play um, word games and uh, want to argue in semantics and you know I guess if you I can see where they're coming from and how they get to their their arguments, you know, by basically saying, well, when he when Paul says something about 
homosexuals. He re, he's referring to a specific practice that no longer exists. In no way was he ever referring to a committed uh, relationship between two uh, people of the same sex who loved each other. And I just disagree, right? Um, and I'm certainly no language expert, but uh, I just disagree. And if you look back at the whole of church history, um, you know it, it's pretty been pretty widely accepted that he was talking about homosexuality. And and if you read through this book and then, and and another one that's related to it that I'm reading through now, which is called the Same Sex Controversy, those arguments just don't hold up. So, anyways, that's all I'm gonna say about that one. And then the last one that I want to to talk about um, is again by Tom Rainer and Eric Geiger, and it's called Simple Church. And the idea behind it is that we have made church into into something that that they don't believe, and and I really don't believe either, uh, was ever uh, intended to be, right? Um, and so they talk about you know we have have made church into a lot of programs and a lot of events, and I'm not downplaying programs and events. Um, I am a product of Sunday school, which is a program. I'm a product of, um, well, I'm not a product of youth ministry because we didn't really have a youth ministry growing up. Um, But I am in a youth ministry, which some would call a program. Um, I think programs like uh, Awana, uh, Bible skills and drills. um, I'm trying to think of like another one, but they're, they're certainly beneficial, right? I'm not trying to throw the baby, and, and I don't believe they are either, trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Uh, but at the same time, uh, we really just need to make sure that we are getting the main, that we're making the main thing the main thing. And so in it, they actually um, talk about, uh, you know, ha- having a, a clear vision of what our church does, of what a church does, a congregation does, and, uh, and just keeping things simple. Right. Uh, if you are in a, a typical, probably Southern church, Southern Baptist church for sure, um, you have a, a Sunday morning. Well, not right now because we've got COVID nineteen. Uh, we're in quarantine, which, by the way, we're in three more weeks of our uh, what does they call it? Safer at home. It's kind of we've we've been let out a little bit, and we were supposed to be let out a little bit more by now, but we've they've extended that. So, you know, we can't really have a lot of programs like we wanted to. VBS, uh, our, our kids are actually going through a virtual vacation Bible school uh, from a, a friend's church that, that they put together. It's been really good. At our church, they're doing a, uh, we're actually meeting for Bible school on Sunday nights. We're doing it, you know, just through the summer. Uh, but but they've t- taken great strides to make sure everybody's socially distant and safe. And it's been actually really good. Kids enjoyed it. But anyways, they say, you know, let's make sure we make the main thing the main thing. And so instead of having a Sunday Sunday morning consistent of Sunday school and then worship and then a Sunday night and then a Wednesday night and then programs that meet throughout the week, um, maybe just think about having one Sunday morning service. And then if you have, uh, they're, they're an advocate for small groups type ministry, which is, you know, where you empower uh, people within the church to lead a small group right of other church members through a bible study throughout the week and they meet based on when the group can meet and they meet in people's homes or maybe they can meet at the church building you know if they you know if there's a need there um but uh they they want to just keep the main thing the main thing and not get bogged down in programs and events 
uh, because one of the things they talk about, and this happened to me, uh, I've been there, and if you're in ministry, it happens a lot. Um, you end up spending way more time at the church than you do out in the mission field, uh, out in your everyday life. And, uh, and, and, and the times when you're not at the church, you're just tired and you don't want to, you don't feel like doing anything because you feel like you've been doing church all week. Um, when actually you've just been kind of programming and, and managing events and managing, managing programs and activities. So, um, really good book. And I really like the premise of this book. Uh, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing, let's just focus on the easy stuff, not the easy stuff, the, the simple stuff, um, that we are sinners in need of forgiveness, that Christ died to give us that forgiveness, to make that forgiveness available, uh, that his uh, resurrection, because of his resurrection uh, and his kingship, uh, we can have a new life that is uh, everlasting, but that it begins now. And so it, it's just a really good read on just kind of ex helping us to examine uh, ourselves on, um, you know, just again, just make sure the main thing is the main thing, right? Um and so they actually did did this as they uh, did. There was like case studies. They had several churches that that they uh, that were not so simple. That had a lot of programs and a lot of events, and and from the outside looked super busy, and and you know maybe even had a lot of people, but in in reality, maybe they weren't doing as good as they could at uh, presenting the gospel and and really changing people's lives. And then they looked at some churches who were very simple. Um, had one one main service per week, and then some small groups met through the week. And maybe, you know, their youth ministry would meet one one night during the week. Um, but you know, if you're if you're in ministry, if you're like like for me, and I'm not complaining, I think our church has done a great a great job. Uh, and if I ever do need to be off for whatever reason, like this past Wednesday night, um, we've been gathering outside for Wednesday night Bible study, uh, just a prayer time and, and a short devotion. Um, but I wasn't able to make it because our, my school had graduation that night. And uh, so anyways, uh, my church is great about letting me, you know, be, be away if I need to be. Um, and so, uh, where was I even going with this? Um, simple church, simple. I like the idea of, of keeping it very simple right, and not getting bogged down. Because if you're in ministry, there we go, I found it. If you're in ministry, you know uh, you spend a ton of time at the church. And during those services, uh, you're probably doing something. You're probably an active part of that service. And during the week, you may have an active part in planning that service. And then, you know, by the time you get to, to Wednesday night, which is kind of our big youth ministry night well it's not right now but i keep having to like preface that hopefully we'll get back to that where wednesday night is kind of the big thing um or at least one night during the week whether it's wednesday night or remains wednesday night or not but uh hopefully we will get back to that and uh, by the time you get to that you're just it, it, you're exhausted right and and not exhausted may not be the right word but you're really tired and, and you've really worked hard uh, because you care and because you want it to be done well. And uh, if, if things were a little simpler, um, and you may find yourself, you know, when, when we were back in uh, regular pre-COVID day, pre days, you know, I, was, I taught a Sunday school class. Um, now, my Sunday school class, our Sunday school class was really cool because it was people uh, more or less our age. They were a little bit younger than us, uh, the me and Mary, but... Um, they had kids, and, and so 
yes, we, we did a lesson, um, but it was much more of an open discussion, and I honestly didn't have to do a huge amount of prep for that. Now, I still would read through the lesson and, you know, and, and, and try to teach, uh, but a lot of it was, was just, I look forward to just the fellowship, you know, the first 30 minutes, 15, 20 minutes at least, Whereas just catching up, hey, how's your week been? Oh, well, you know, the kids were crazy this week, or we had this going on, or whatever. And it's really good. And then, you know, we would look at the at the lesson for the week, too, and talk about it, and, and then relate it back to our lives. And so, But teaching a Sunday school class, you may have a, a, a role in the main service. And if you're a bigger church, you may have a role in every main service. You may have two or three services. Um, and then if you have a Sunday night, you, you have a, a class during that, and I did. Um, now my role in the main service was pretty small. I uh, just did basically the welcome, a couple of announcements, and that was about it. But um, but then you know I taught Sunday school class. I had a part in the main service. I taught Sunday night and I taught Wednesday night. And then a lot of times you know on Saturdays we would have some kind of youth event. Not every Saturday, of course. I tried to keep them, you know, uh, spaced out. Uh, but if things were were simpler, um, I feel like we wouldn't get as burnt out. Um, and and we wouldn't we wouldn't be as as tired and and maybe our attitudes would be better. So I don't know. That was a simple church by uh, Tom Rayner and Eric Geiger. Uh, really recommend that if you are are in ministry at all. Um, if you're not in ministry, uh, some of these books may not pertain to you, but I would still recommend reading them. They're good reads, uh, even if you know you don't have a direct role in ministry. Uh, they're really good reads, and uh, they they can really help encourage you, uh, I believe. Um, so, anyways, that was just a few books. I think I, I made it to six. So six out of the at least 108 books, and I'm looking all around, and, and I'm thinking about the bookcases that we have in our home. Probably over 200. Um, so you just you just pick them up. I see them. Like, oh wow, this looks really good. And, and I'll buy one. We have an Ollie's. If you, if you have an Ollie's, they have lots of cheap books. And they have a, a section on religion. And, and so I've been a victim of Ollie's sometime, a few times. But uh, you just pick them up and, and I'll read through parts of them. Um, and, and I intend to read all of them. I probably never will. But I want to. So anyways, that's been six books. I promise five. You got an extra one. That have impacted me personally and in a ministry context. Oh my gosh, one I just oh, okay. I'm gonna mention this one super quick. Seven, <laughs> seven books. This was on leadership. Now this is if you've made it this far, uh, you're amazing and I love you. I love you anyways, but I definitely love you even more now. Um, this is a book that came out of a leadership class in uh, at North Greenville University, and it is not even a Christian book. Uh, it's not written from a Christian worldview. But it is about leadership, and it is a really, really good book about deal about you know uh, leading and 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 working with other people. It's called Leadership and Self Deception, and the subtitle is Getting Out of the Box. And so the idea is um, basically how do you feel about a person? How do you perceive their actions? Um, you know when they do something that you may disagree with. Uh, do you perceive that as, oh, well, that's just who they are. They're just really dumb. Um, or do you think, well, you know, I'm sure there's probably was a logical uh, a series of events that led them toward that decision. Um, and, and, you know, whether it was right or it was wrong, if it's just a difference of opinion, 
you know, how do you perceive it and how do you deal with it? So uh, one of the things that I, that I remind myself often of is, is a, um, is a uh, uh, phrase from that book that, is, that says, uh, are you in the box or out of the box toward that person? And I can't remember which one is the good one, whether inside or outside the box. And I get it confused with thinking outside the box because that's kind of a different thing. That's often sometimes a good thing. Um, but one of them is bad. One of them means that you are perceiving their actions as uh, that you're perceiving them wrongly and you're not being gracious toward them. Uh, and you're not, you know, uh, trying to understand them or understand them, understand their actions or, or their, you know, how they got to where they got to. Um, and the other one is being gracious and being patient and trying to really understand who they are, giving them the benefit of the doubt uh, and all those sorts of things. So um, I think it's it's in the box. In the box is a good thing. And then out of the box. No, the thing was the subtitle was getting out of the box. Maybe I need to be out of the box. I don't remember what the box is. I'm going to have to go back through and read that. It's a short read. Um, it's not very long. And it's actually, um, it, it's read as a, uh, like a role play type of thing. Um, it's a story that you read and, uh, you know, has characters written from a third person point of view. It's not like an instructional book, um, but it's leadership and self-deception. Definitely pick up a copy of it. Go check it out if you are in leadership uh, in any way. And I think it can help in, in many aspects of our lives and our relationships. So anyways, thanks for listening to uh, another ministry podcast. This one about books that have influenced me. Um, if you have other books, you know, feel free that, that you think I should check out, feel free to email them to me. Uh, you can reach me at drummer guy, drum three R guy. Why in the world did I ever have to try to have a cool email address? Drum three R guy at gmail.com. Um, or uh, I think you can send me messages directly on anchor.fm slash another men cast. Uh, last, last time we talked about podcasts, I want to give a super quick shout out uh, to uh, a, another local guy who's doing a ministry podcast. His is on kind of apologetics and missions, and it's called All Things, All People. And uh, Jeremy Jenkins is his name. He is a, a pastor at a local church, Element Church, and a really, really good guy, really, really uh, good podcast. Uh, I started subscribing to him after I made last week the last episode, so I wanted to mention him real quick. Go check him out. But anyways, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for tuning in. Please consider sharing this, a uh, link to this on, on your socials. Uh, if you do subscribe, please go to uh, Apple. If you're on Apple especially, please go and, and give us a rating. Um, five stars if you've enjoyed it uh, that giving us a rating helps to uh, to recommend this podcast to other people right so like when they go and search for a podcast about ministry if we have you know good ratings then apple will say hey you might like this one because other people have liked it so anyways thanks for listening and thanks for sharing and until next time, which hopefully will be next week, but it may be two weeks based on my current track record. So, uh, But until next time, love, peace, and chicken grease. Thanks.